You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hi, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. And we are going to talk today about talking to kids about grief and loss. This topic actually came to us from a listener question. Um, so having, we'll probably weigh in with some of our own personal experiences with this subject, but um, we are honored today to have a friend with us on this episode and who is unfortunately fairly freshly familiar with the subject, um, Lavi Little. Hey, Lavi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Welcome. Um, she is an OT and a mom of three very active sons. I think they've been active since before they were born. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do not know three more active sons than these. Um, they are right now ages 18, 20, and 21. Um, Lavi was married to her husband, Conrad, um, and they had been married about three years when what the, started happening. Yeah, well, um, it was about three years when he needed his first kidney transplant. Okay, and, and what? Why? Um, he had diabetic kidney disease, okay. and um, he had pretty much had it controlled for mm -hmm. most of the time that we were, you know, dating before he got married. Mm -hmm. um, and then he needed to have a uh, a kid. His he was going to have to go on dialysis, and we were trying to prevent that. Okay. So I actually donated a kidney of mine. Three years after three years of being married. Yes, we right. actually went in on our anniversary. Aww. Wow. In nineteen ninety nine. Wow. Yep. That's fulfilling some vows right there. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for better, for worse. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> and everything in between, mm -hmm. for sure. So um, that was the first of a couple of kidney transplants. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, he needed another kidney transplant because uh, actually, unfortunately, my kidney clotted before it had a chance to work. Mm. So they had to go in the very next day and remove it. Oh. And so I lost my kidney and he lost my kidney. And it was kind of devastating, uh, but yeah. it was yeah. prior to us having children and uh, we were resilient. Yes. And he started dialysis shortly after that, I think uh, the next couple of days. Uh, he started a dialysis and he was on dialysis until I guess after we had our second son, we received a call that there was a possibility that there would be a donor for him. So we were able to, um, have that transplant take place. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a long time to be on dialysis. Yes, with he was. two young children. Yes, on at top the time of that. we had because we we kind of after the first transplant we got pregnant uh -huh. um, because that was a plan. Like we wanted to have you know at least you know a couple of children. Mm -hmm. We didn't plan for three, <laughs> but we but we're happy you had. Yeah, we're happy right. we you have like three. Yeah. I like I like having three. It's a good it's a good round number. It's a good godly number. Yeah. Um, but yes, so um, after uh, we had our, our two small boys, um, we received a call that there was a kidney available. So um, we went and he had his first kidney transplant. So, And that one went well. It did go. It was a little rocky. It tried to reject. Um, it was in and out. Um, he was in and out of the hospital a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but he was able to... Um, 
kind of keep that kidney for a little while. It took several hits. It tried to try to die, mm. you know, and they kept giving it the what they call rabbit juice uh, to kind of kickstart it again and make it work. Um, so, yeah, he did that for a little bit. And then um, he actually had a heart attack. And if anybody knows anything about health, um, the heart and the kidney kind of fight each other. One likes, the kidney likes a lot of uh, fluid, Uh then the heart does not. Right. Uh So um, he ended up, um, after the heart attack, that was the final hit for the kidney almost. He he kept it for a little while longer, and then he went back on dialysis. Yeah. Yes. You guys are frequent flyers at yes. Vanderbilt. Yes. Right? Actually, we, it's, uh, there wasn't a floor that Conrad had not been on except for the burn unit and the OBGY unit back in the day yeah. before they, you know, expanded. We were even in Round Wing, the old hospital. So wow. he's been everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not really a claim to fame that anybody no, really wants no, to have. But no. um, wow. Okay. So it was about 11 years or so that you were parenting your boys, yes, right, and his growing needs. So, um, when I first met you all, Conrad was in a wheelchair. I think you came to our parenting class. That might have been one yeah. of the first, maybe before yeah. then. Yeah. Um, he was in a wheelchair. He had had some amputations. Yes, um, and sight, I think, also was an issue. Yes. So basically, um, Conrad had been a diabetic since the age of four. So he had been, he hadn't really had any complications, had pretty, a pretty healthy childhood and life for what we know. Mm-hmm. Um, for, obviously, medicine has changed and he didn't have all of the science that they have now with the, you know, insulin pumps and the yeah. CGMs. Um, so not really only going in ever so often to have your A1C checked, I guess, oh. just probably... You know, we're from a small town. Not a lot of, it wasn't specialty. There was no specialty doctors. So um, basically, um, he was having some complications with his eyes prior to us getting married. Just just diabetic retinopathy, things like that. Um, But by the time we started going to North Boulevard, uh, of course, we'd had our third child and he had coded and all of that and that was while I was in graduate school so I was kind of juggling him and the boys with that and school school and graduate school I know Bonnie and I our mouths are hanging open right now (laughs) you can't see it but (laughs) wow yes um because he coded again while I was in graduate school Mm. and he had had a heart attack prior to me starting so it all of these things kind of happened uh, within the first, I guess you could say. Chancellor was uh, our youngest was uh, he was born in two thousand three, so this happened in two thousand and four and five. Wow! So he was two or three, and so um, when we when we finally landed at North Boulevard in two thousand and eight. He had been, he had about, he was a bilateral amputee and had lost several fingers and things like that. And so he didn't have any more amputations after that, but his eyesight. So he was limited on what he could do um, as far as that. But it was very important for Conrad to make sure that the boys, that they stayed had a normal life. I guess that's the best way to say it. He said, I don't want the boys not to experience 
the things that most kids experience because of me. Right. Please let mm-hmm. them play sports. Please, because I remember him in the hospital one time, and I said, Chancellor wants to play baseball. And he said, let him play. And I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the boys were active. Carrying- yeah, so they didn't, when I knew him, like our sons were friends in scouts yes. and karate karate mm-hmm. and they were doing drama they were doing football they right. were, I don't think there's anything they didn't do right and that was intentional um that was something that uh Conrad and his father were he was uh sports was really important to him mm-hmm. and um his dad coached him in baseball and Conrad was a huge amazing baseball player and um so sports was his connection with the boys or any kind of activity because as long as he was there and present he was involved so, he's going so to he, the was, games. he was going he was to the going, games he was going to karate, he was going to karate. Mm-hmm. and um he was the adult i know that sounds crazy but i did do this um if chamberlain had play practice i would leave him with the boys wherever soccer karate wherever they were take chamberlain to rehearsal drop him off and i was just like i was a little taxi just going around murfreesboro smyrna area just driving around yeah not unlike most moms of boys that age yes but you have this whole other realm of life to balance that most of us do not have to have i i (laughs) marveled at the amount of energy still do I know <laughs> I remember the picture of her carrying Conrad on her back yes from Just the piggyback. car mm-hmm. yeah from the car into the house I guess yes he said. yes well because he was amputation uh, we anytime we had to go up flights of stairs um we would ju- I would just put him on my back. It was much easier than trying to adjust. And thankfully, he was not a big man. Um, but I used to be a cheerleader. So say, you're not all that big. <laughs> <laughs> no. I used to be a cheerleader. But I think because I knew how to pick him up properly, and I knew how to kind of like adjust him and mm. not injure myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just kind of we worked together. We were a team. And yeah, you that were. Was a, yeah. That was the thing. Definitely, the were. whole family was a team. Yeah, definitely yeah. were. So wow. Um, so uh, he went through all this stuff, and, and your whole family went through all this. And he had um, he just eventually. I guess you used to say he had nine lives because he'd be in and out of Vanderbilt yes. and you just, mm-hmm. I mean, each time you thought there's no possible way right. this man can come out of this again, but he would. Yes, he would. As a matter of fact, um, it was shortly after, I guess it was 2014, well, it was 2013, we had started what they call next stage dialysis and I was doing his dialysis at home mm-hmm. and, you know, five days a week. And his numbers were amazing. Like the doctors couldn't believe it. And and so they fought for him to get another kidney. And he was able to get another kidney in 2014. And that was the pinnacle. I mean, that was great because all of a sudden it was he had a little bit more energy and yeah. he could do a little bit more. Uh, it was amazing. And uh, but over time, just with just other things that happened, we were in a car accident and the impact was on his side and just different things. He just couldn't recover. Mm -hmm. He couldn't bounce back. Mm -hmm. So in uh, 2017, he passed, he passed away. And 
but it was very, um, at the time I had decided, I think I even sat with you, Renee, and said, okay, I think I'm going to bring my boys home so that they could be homeschooled, so they could spend time mm-hmm. with their dad, because I never knew when that was going to happen. I never I mean, of course, we don't have a crystal ball. And like you said, he was in and out of the hospital. So I wanted to make sure that uh, the boys were able to spend as much time with their dad as possible. For sure. Yeah. And where could I, ex- you know, where could I get some time in there? Mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. to, for them to be homeschooled mm-hmm. and not be at school all day. I remember that conversation with you. And I certainly thought you were capable of doing it. But I thought that is a huge undertaking. That it is so much work. Given everything else. Giving everything you else you have on your plate. And um, it was such a blessing. I mean, I, I think it was. Yeah, I, from, it was. From my looking from the outside in, wow. Yes. Because they got how many years at home with him that way? Um, Let's see. We started when Carrington was going into the eighth grade. Uh, and so, and he passed away in the middle of his senior year. So that's a lot of time together. And we, I would not take that time for mm-hmm. anything because by this time the boys were old enough to help me and even they could like, um, they could do the little hand basket and they could put their dad in. They could carry their dad for me. Mm-hmm. They were bigger mm-hmm. uh, and they were strong and they were able to get things and do things. And of course he wasn't on dialysis anymore. Um, and we were able to travel a little bit whenever we needed to. Um, you know, we were able to do things together as yeah. a family mm-hmm. and spend quality mm-hmm. time together. For sure. What a, what a blessing what a great decision yes <laughs> I yeah. the decision. so wise for yeah, sure so, so, wise. so y'all were married 21 years uh when he died and he was 47 right correct so um i guess we're talking about truly that that's y'all's story mm-hmm. and there's a couple um elements to it one is um the boys were 17 16 and 14 at the time that he died so one of them is helping them like how that worked through that but also I think a whole nother element of y'all's story is what you just described as um, living truly their whole lives um, with a parent who was very ill for most of that time um, and how that changed your parenting and um, your family dynamics. You talked about that a little bit already, but um, yeah, so we're going to get into some of that. Yeah, I I was thinking that too. I thought because it's not a childhood experience that a lot of kids are going to have. Right. It's, it's so, it's, I even watched you do it for years and it still sounds foreign to me Mm -hmm. the day in and the day out and what their little lives were like and how, um, and how you navigated it. That's why we wanted you in here because those boys are just amazing. They're thriving and it's, it's a situation that you think would just crush, would crush an adult. (laughs) much less children mm-hmm. and so we were like and they are all to every single one of them for those who are listening who do not know yeah so impressive yeah. so mm-hmm. um uh, talented i mean your middle child has been on sung at carney carnegie hall yeah he he was actually able to perform at carnegie hall yeah mm-hmm. in the middle of <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. I, i'm just one's in college no two 
I have I have two in college. Two uh, Carrington in college. Carrington is um, at Tennessee Tech. He's majoring in mechanical engineering. He is a junior. Uh huh. Um, and Chamberlain is at Belmont. He just finished his sophomore year, and he's in musical theater. And Chancellor is graduating in another week and a half. Well, yeah. uh, when this airs, he will have graduated. And um, he is going to Miraville College, majoring in biology, pre-veterinary medicine. Yeah. So, I mean, how can you get better than that? I know. And, <laughs> and so godly. And not only, yes. So mature. Not only that. Yeah. So mm. discerning. And I'll, so, um, I don't sense bitterness there. And that is what, like, that's what yeah. I'm like, what is, how did you do that? You know, that's what we want to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. I don't sense the, uh, why me? I don't sense an anger. Every right in the world to ask those questions right. and be angry. But, um. And maybe that was part of it. And maybe that's part of your story. I want, we want to talk about <laughs> yeah. it. But, um, what I see is like, just, I don't know. I see healthy young men mm-hmm. and, and we want that for more people oh, yeah. because this is, this is not as uncommon um, to losing a parent, you know, is not as uncommon as we like to think. Right. Well, I can start with <clears throat> a lot of things had to do with prayer. I mean, I, I cannot say enough about how praying through each and every step. Um, sometimes, you know, we pray in the midst of our, in our whirlwind and we don't, we're saying these prayers and you think they're falling on deaf ears or empty ears, but really God is listening and he's able to orchestrate and put people in your path that are going to help you navigate through the chaos when you can't see. Um, my boys and I, what we did is we talked about, um, there is going to be a time when daddy's not going to be here. I made it very clear um to them especially when they were at home when it was nearing the end i would see him declining and i would say guys i don't know how much longer it's going to be and i said do y'all understand Mm -hmm. and they would say yes ma'am and i was like okay i just want you to know cherish every moment and i think the reason why that was so important is because i lost my mom um a, a month and a day after my 18th birthday um I was my mom had breast cancer uh, she was diagnosed when I was in the sixth grade and she went in and out of remission those six years and but then I she wrote in my yearbook how she she was praying for God to allow her to see her baby girl blossom into a young woman and she felt like she had gotten to do that so after I had graduated high school that summer, she had, the cancer had spread to her bones by this point. And she had fallen and had a fall. And then, you know, there was just some concern. But I ended up staying home to help take care of her because I'm the youngest of four children. Every, all my siblings were married with children and had jobs and responsibilities. And so I helped my dad with my mom. And being there with her those few months from, from August through December because she passed away in December as well I was able to 
just she taught me so much just you know I was already she was an amazing cook she was an amazing wife and mother but I would say mom it looks like this from the kitchen I'd say mom my chicken is looking a little pink and she would say okay well flip it turn it you know well you know so she was teaching me so these these little those little and I was always remember that story and then she had a a, a niece who is more like her sister who would come down a couple of days a week and help me out you know figure things out but the house was always immaculate and it was always together and I felt like okay if my mom can do it from <laughs> a hospital bed this is pre-hospice then I could do it too and I wanted that of course I wasn't the good housekeeper don't get me wrong because my house was always a wreck but um the thing about it was, was that I was there when my mom took her last breath. We all were, you know, she woke up that morning and said, I'm ready to go home. And we were like, oh my goodness, it's happening. And so I wanted that for my boys. And I had told Conrad, I said, will you let us know when you feel like it's time? And he says, you know, he said, and I don't think he didn't like to talk about him leaving because he didn't want to leave us. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to get you know get it twisted that he was you know he was ready to go and all that because I think he wanted to be with us but what he did do is he wanted to make sure he was always there as a matter of fact he was there at Chancellor's basketball game the night before he died he was in so much pain he was he had pulled something I don't know in his leg um I'm not sure and he had had home health that day we had gone to Vanderbilt to a doctor's appointment to have his catheter cleaned and we were preparing a trip to Disney because that was what we wanted to give the boys for Christmas and we had planned this whole thing it was surrounded around our anniversary which would have been our 22nd wedding anniversary and so we we, we kind of talked about it and we planned it together. And so it was like, I think he knew, I think he felt it. And so the boys were always watching my facial expressions and his facial expressions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they could tell this is good or not. Mm-hmm. Although the night that he passed, none of us thought that was it like we thought he'll come home or we'll be able to say our goodbyes but it wasn't exactly the way I had wanted it to be but it was the way God intended for it to be yeah and the boys seemed um they were shocked they couldn't believe it because daddy always came home mm-hmm. and they were very especially chancellor because he's Uh, type 1 diabetic just like his dad he was diagnosed at 7 and they had a special handshake and they had this bond that was just it was amazing and um, so Chancellor had that uh, he was feeling it the heaviest because he says I don't understand why I didn't know like you know that Mm -hmm. that was dad was dying right behind me while I was playing my video game you know because he was right there in the room that's the weird thing about grief though right it's just you you go back and you look at it and you don't know ordinary yeah stuff it's just not (laughs) stuff and so I told him I said honey you know what you were doing exactly what daddy would have wanted you to do Mm -hmm. and you should and Chamberlain was you know there as well and I said you know it's okay um 
the boys had time, a little bit of time, I think, to kind of process because there were periods of time when dad would be gone to the hospital Mm -hmm. or gone to rehab. So there were periods of time where he was not present. So they were used to that. But then it hit them much later. All of a sudden, it was like a ton of bricks Mm -hmm. that landed on them. And they would tell me, they were like, Mom, I'm missing dad today. And I said, me too. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's okay to cry. Yep. It's perfectly fine. You do not have to be strong for people. If you don't want to be around people, you don't have to be around people. And so that still, those conversations still gone to this day, yeah. like to this day, like they'll still have days of, I think I'm missing dad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, you want to talk about it? He's, and they will say yes or no. But the one thing that we've tried to always do is make sure that he is remembered for the life that he lived and just he's involved in some way, form or fashion. So, you know, they have a memorial that Conrad was cremated. So they have cremation jewelry that they'll have that, you know, I think Chamberlain has a bracelet, Chamberlain has, um, Chancellor has a ring and cotton and uh, Chancellor, oh, I'm getting my kids mixed up, <laughs> Lord. Um, Carrington, thank you. Carrington has a necklace. And um, so, but then a friend of mine had the idea of uh, making pillows for them out of Conrad's old shirts. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. Uh-huh. And so there's, on the pocket it's stitched, um, something to the effect of um this is a shirt i used to wear and when you miss me know that i'm there or something to that effect mm-hmm. and so it's a button-up shirt and he unbuttoned it and it's a t-shirt that he would wear and it was one of his button-up shirts from church Love so they each so they each have they each have a shirt mm-hmm. uh, well, a pillow that they have um and uh you know there, there's just different little things. They, you know, um, Conrad was a huge Alabama fan, and yeah, we so, will forgive him. Yes, we will because I'm a UT, I'm a UT grad, Same. so <laughs> and fan, so. Um, but um, he, um, the boys, um, I'll give you an example. Um, they all wore Alabama sh- ties for at the funeral, and. Uh, they were all different and for mother's day last year they said or maybe it was for my birthday i can't remember i think it was mother's day um they serenaded me dressed in their alabama shirts and they sang the mama song and i thought this is just too precious for words (laughs) so they the three of them together, and that's why God gave me three sons, is because each one of them have unique qualities of Conrad. Mm. And so the three of them together, it's almost like having Conrad present. Um, so, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't want I, I don't know if you have something you want to ask, but I've got something that's just like nagging in the oh, back man, of my yeah. head. Like, I'm, I think that uh, Americans despise talking about death. Like we, we sanitize it. We like put the body in the funeral home and we, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to talk about it. And what you're describing to me is that like if you experienced it with your mother, 
up close and personal in a way that most children who are 18 would Mm -hmm. never experience. Mm -hmm. And then you were um, able to face it with your husband. I mean, surely as he was popping in and out of Mm -hmm. treatment, you saw, okay, here's, here's where this road ends. Mm -hmm. And you were talking with your boys about it. You know, that, how did you do that? (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I think we're missing it. I think that's so wise. Yeah, I think a lot of families it's, just don't. They don't talk about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's better that they don't know. Maybe it'll protect them that's if we right. don't say anything. Well, yeah, and I think that's what you're getting at. And I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm answering, but I want to make sure that y'all understand. This was a conversation that we kind of had to have because I knew where the road was going to end up. But with the boys, we made sure that their life was as normal as possible. So Mm -hmm. they didn't really miss a beat. And we had, we were surrounded by friends and family and church members that would get them to and from when I couldn't. And then, so they weren't, it wasn't like they were missing out on anything. Um, But then when we were together as a family or they would go see their dad at the hospital, they were involved in that process. Mm -hmm. I made sure that they would visit when they could, um, even when they were younger, um, well, they got to a, when he got to a place where he could have visitors, I made sure that the children were able to come at Christmas, like, cause he usually, he usually landed in the hospital around Christmas, it seemed, but, um, so they would come to the hospital and spend time with their dad there. So growing up with that kind of life, I tried to make sure that they were surrounded with people who were God fearing and were praying and praying for their dad out loud. Um, but talking with kids about grief and what is going to happen is so important. I never knew it until I was in the middle of it and in the thick of it was that, okay, boys, dad is not doing well. Um, and they would ask, well, is he okay? And I would, I would not lie. I would say, well, he's got some things going on with his heart, or he's got some things going on with his kidney, or he's got some things going on with whatever was going on. And I said, so we have to pray a lot. And they would say, okay. And they would immediately start praying. And to their little selves, I don't think that they realized that God was answering their prayers, but he was. He, They would say, will you please bring my daddy home? And now that they're older, they can look back. And what they say is, we were so naive. to. <laughs> and I was like, no, you were innocently trusting God. And I said, and that's what you want. You want your kids to have a childlike faith where they just know that God is going to answer. Now, does that always happen? No. And so the time when Conrad did pass away and they were a little bit older, they were like, no, this can't be happening, mom. And I was like, you know, I said, his body was tired. And they were like, yeah. I said, don't you remember seeing how tired he looked? And they would say, yeah. And I was like, now he's got a new body. Mm-hmm. And so I will even go as far as to say that after uh, he passed, uh, the boys and I went into the room where Conrad was. And I, I told the boys, I said, 
you know, dad has decided that he would like to be cremated. So this will be the last time we'll see him. And so they all took his hand and they took pictures holding his hand. And they also like just touched him and they held, we all held hands in a circle. Like we used to pray in a circle at home Mm -hmm. and they each led a prayer and those prayers were Conrad's eulogy. Like it was, I was, I was blessed, <laughs> it was, I don't know. Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this, uh, uh, well. but it was, um, it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. The words that they were saying about their dad and how they were thankful that they had their dad and how they were thankful that God you know, love their dad enough to allow him to go home. And it was just absolutely beautiful. And I asked, my sister was present and I asked her to take pictures and she did. And, you know, I told the boys when you're, when you're ready, when you're ready, um, but they all had the, they all wanted, they all took their own phones out and took that picture. And some of them had it as their screensaver for a little while on their phones. But, um, wow. yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's a, that's just, I can't think of a more beautiful end than yeah. that. Um, huh. so losing a parent, having done so myself, <laughs> you and I have talked about this, um, <laughs> is the most emotionally difficult and universal human experience. Eventually, if we live like we're supposed to, um, we're all going to lose some mom or dad. Um, it triggers the reaction to that just physically is like this deep emotional and um, physical stress, like a fight or flight kind of response. Um, and grief is so, (laughs) Um, people think, I guess they give you, they tend to give you how generous of them, um, you know, a period of time and then you're supposed to be over it. Then you're supposed to move on. But grief sort of has a mind of its own in my experience. And like you said, this is three, four years out and, um, they're still coming to you. I really miss dad. Um, and they, that... I am sure, I am certain they will miss their dad for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Just like you miss your mother oh, yeah. for the rest of your life. That doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you tie that to the stress response of that, I think that it's obviously um, greater at first as you're just sort of dealing with that and, and kind of reeling from it. But um, I think you did an excellent job of honestly answering questions not, not shying away from that. Um, looking at reality and preparing for what's next. Um, and I think that's such a key thing for, uh, any age of kids. Yours were older, but they weren't old <laughs> and they're still mm-hmm. children, 14, 16. Um, and I read a lot about, um, how gender specifically like a female losing a mom is like, um, I don't know. There's this connection, mm-hmm. uh, and a f- son losing a father, um, is kind of associated with 
I don't know who they are, who they see themselves to be, um, their self-knowledge, that kind of thing. So how did you navigate that at all? Or did you with them? Um, maybe that hasn't come up yet. Um, I think they have like, I think they have moments, um, of where there are times when they go, this is definitely a thing that I can't talk to you about mom. And so that crushes me because I can't fix it. I can't be that. And I always, um, tell them, you know, I said, well, is there any person that you feel like could give you male advice, Mm -hmm. um, that anybody that you feel linked with or, or connected to, and they'll say, "Mm, maybe, I guess. And so, and I even think that that's still conversations that we're still having, you know, um, because they don't necessarily have that, um, that dad, you know, they'll talk to my brothers, you know, but of course they don't want to talk to them about everything because they don't want to come around and them tell me about it. (laughs) But they, you know, I try to give them, I try to give them, you know, the benefit of the doubt. But, and I think that Chancellor was, he confessed and said, mom, you know, I'm going to be honest that there was a time that I was really angry with God and was kind of doubting what God was doing and doubting my faith in God because it just stinks that my dad had to go and that my dad had to be sick most of my life. Yeah. And I said, um, that's okay. I, I, I don't think I, I never overreacted to that conversation. You know, when people go, well, you can't doubt God. I think right, right. if everybody oh, is real, for sure, you can say, and I told, I told him, I said, I felt the exact same way when dad, when, when my, when my mom died, I was mad at God for taking my mom, you know, and I made it as real as I could. And he was like, um, so it's okay. I was like, I think God understand. He knows your heart. And he said, okay. I was like, I, you know, you're not blaspheming. <laughs> you're not being yeah. blasphemous. Yeah. You're just being oh. angry and being real. You can take it. Yeah. Take it. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but you're right. Um, being at this juncture in their lives um, where they need a father to give them advice on dating. Mm-hmm. Um you know, things like that. Um, Conrad tried really hard to give them the, this is how you treat a woman kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was real big on, look at your mom. Doesn't she look pretty? You know, (sighs) Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, hold the door, hold the door for your mom, you know, that kind of thing. So he tried to teach them the little gentleman like things. But I know that they have other questions, you know, deeper questions right. and that maybe Conrad maybe didn't cover or they might have forgotten. But um, it's so, I don't know, as a, as a mom, you want to be able to fix everything for your kids. And grief is, like you said, it's a sinus wave. And so there are days that you're up and there are days that you're down and you might go several days and not cry. And like, I still have my good days and my bad days, 
um, the thing that I hold true to, though, is that I will crawl up into my God's lap, my daddy's lap, and just cry and just cry and just and I tell them it's okay to do that. And I think that's helped them to know that it's okay to have these emotions of anger, sadness, disbelief, um, disappointment. But then when it's all full circle, when you hear your kids say, I can't wait to see dad again, Mm -hmm. or I'm doing this for him. I'm doing this for you, dad. Or they're pointing to the sky or, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, they know that this is just temporary. This Mm -hmm. is, this life is just temporary. And I think someone told me, one of my friends who's, who's also a widow said, you know, when people, when someone dies suddenly and then when someone's been sick, it's like being on this, on the beach with your face, with your body turned away from the waves, you just don't know when it's going to crash into you. So even though you see it coming, you know it's coming, you don't know when it's going to hit. That's the same way it is for anybody, whether it's a tragic loss, like in a car accident. Um, because Conrad lost his father in a, in, a, in a car accident the Sunday before Christmas, right after we got married. And then my father died three weeks later. Wow. So... We had death right after we got married and we were just like, how do we handle this? And I think because we had each other and so the boys know that they have each other. And so I try to make sure that their bond is strong. Um, But, you know, I hope that answers. I'm thinking I'm hearing you say, okay, first of all, prayer, everything, everything done through prayer. You have an amazing community around you, family and friends. And you managed to create this atmosphere in your home where communication is open. I'm hearing them come to you with like Mm -hmm. saying things as dramatic as I don't know if I believe in God. There was a time I wasn't sure I believed in God. I was hurting so much. Mm -hmm. And, and you were, it was a safe place to say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think that, I mean, you, you were the counselor. I mean, you were, you were the one that was allowing them. I I think as parents, like we do, we panic on the inside and just go, Oh my goodness. Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. Don't think that. Or I can fix this or, Mm -hmm. and it was, sounds like it was just such a safe thing Mm -hmm. to be able to, to say who you really are. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if, if a parent is facing this same situation, what would you tell them? How did you how did you manage that? I would definitely tell them to let your kids be who they are. Let them express to you and just let them come to you and be open. And then what I would do to, with for my boys is I said, you grieve on your own time and there is no timeline. There's no time to where you have to say, I'm stop. I'm not grieving anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped when I went to the life after loss class at church with Paul and Pat Agee, and that really did help cultivate the conversation. And I asked them, how should I approach this? And just leaving it open because kids can develop whatever. There are books out there that they can read um, and let your kids read the books that are out there for someone who's passing away or dying. There are some children's books that are out there. Oh, that's great. Um, 
there's also uh, letting them make, um, I gave, I gave all my boys journals and I, I said, um, for that was a gift for, I guess it was Christmas or Valentine's or something. It was just, Hey, if you ever have any feelings you want to write down, just write them down when you feel them right then. Um, I was constantly sending my kids scriptures or things that were speaking to me at the time when I was going through what I was going through. And I would say, Hey, this is just something. And I still, to this day, I will send them videos. Uh, we have a group, we have a group message, uh, the three of the four of us, it's our little family chat and I'll dump stuff in there from Tony Evans or whatever is speaking to me for that day or whoever it is that just happens to come my way. Um, but I'll say, Hey guys, you know, how's this? And then, you know, it's okay when you're 21 year old, like Carrington just sent me this the other day. He says, thanks mom for the video. And I was like, you know and it it just it just it it just it it wasn't even really about grief or anything it was just Mm -hmm. about being uh, a kingdom man you know Mm -hmm. and I'm like because I I don't I I'm a woman Mm -hmm. and I don't know what it's like to be a man Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to pretend I do but if I see something that I feel like will connect with some of them and I knew that that would probably um that would probably connect to him because he's a big checker a chess player so um, you mentioned that you went to the, the life after loss. Is that what it was called class? Um, did you happen to do anything for the boys too, like counseling or anything like that? Um, yes, much later, um, not at the very beginning. Um, we considered it. We talked to some friends that had tried it with their children. Um, and the boys really weren't, they weren't, they didn't really feel like it was a keen thing to do. Like they were like, well, we'll be fine, mom. We don't need it. But as time progressed, um, I did go ahead and set up some things with a live hospice for them to at least have two or three sessions so that they could talk through any issues that they might be having now that time had lapsed. Um, you said you mentioned something before about um, at, when Conrad was really sick that your boys would look to you both and your facial expressions and body language and that kind of thing just to gauge is everything okay should we be sad should we happy um and uh, that's so common like kids have radar you know you're not pulling anything over them they know even when you're Mm kind of telling the truth or not telling the truth that something's kind of off um so i found when i lost my mom that watching the grief of my father was almost worse like that just tore me to pieces so my response was therefore therefore we will not talk about her because it's going to make dad sad and we don't above all else i can't watch that anymore because that's terrible um and i think a lot of kids especially younger ones um i mean you're the only remaining parent like you're it so if something happens to mom or whoever's left like, where are we? So, um, just because kids need like, you know, security foundation. Um, I think a lot of kids in that situation stuff it (laughs) because they, for fear of, um, what it's going to do to the remaining parents. So a lot of them will be, be good, you know, to please, um, just to make sure the remaining parents. Okay. Um, or they will put on a happy face because if I'm good, 
then mom's good or dad's good, whoever, the remaining parent. Um, how did you do, I mean, you're grieving your biggest grief mm-hmm. in the middle of all this. Are you taking time out to go in your room? Are you screaming into a pillow um, or are you doing it openly in front of them and letting them know, hey, we're all in this together? Um, I, I was open. I was very open. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't close the door um, when I was having a bad day um, or when I was having a bad moment. They were they knew mm-hmm. and they would often um, I would cry into their shoulders and um, my sister was there a lot and she would, you know, comfort me or whatever in the very beginning. Um, but I, I was very open. Now, as far as like with Chancellor has always been pretty protective of me even before, because I think they all knew that if something happens to mom, she's the one that drives us everywhere. Mm-hmm. She was, <laughs> so anytime I would go to the store at night, they were like, let me go with you. I need to protect you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I, mm-hmm. I think I'm good. Mm-hmm. But um, so I was very conscious of that. And, and I knew that he was going to always want to see me, you know, like see me okay. But I also would let him know I'm having a bad day. But then I would say when I, when I would have my moment or when I would have my breakdown or whatever, I would go and say, I'm Okay. Mm-hmm. I just I just need to have a moment mm-hmm. and they were like okay mom and then I would let them see me okay does yeah. that make sense yeah so like wise. yeah yeah like I after I would go to the room and I would have my breakdown or whatever um then I would come out and I'm like okay what do y'all want for dinner and they'd be like uh, <laughs> are we chicken? allowed to answer <laughs> <laughs> chicken I think pizza uh what do you want uh-huh. um but they were they were really good about that. And and don't get me wrong, I think that they were always in fear of you you know, they could have had that I'm gonna be good, but my boys were just they never I never really saw them change. Their personality they mm-hmm. their personalities were like I think they know this. Like I like to snuggle and I always snuggle with Conrad. So some of my kids aren't snugglers. They let me snuggle with them. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Like, they would like I would crawl in the bed with them like early in the morning Mm -hmm. before going somewhere, and they were like, "Mom, is that you know what are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just wanting to snuggle," (laughs) and they'd be like, "Okay." (laughs) They are sweet about it, you know. That's sweet. Um, Wow. Very, very, very wise. It, it really is. It's um, just from every angle, there's just so much wisdom here yeah. that, and there's just, and here's the deal. Like if this is doable, what you're describing is doable for other people, mm-hmm. like the prayer, the open communication, the, um, transparency with your emotions, instead of having to cram it all down or act like everything's okay. Like we can you can do this you can but she did it all along she was their whole family was cultivating that that's right years so Mm -hmm. you think about somebody like my mom had a a year almost a year from the day that Mm -hmm. she was diagnosed and like we didn't really have that what you had Mm -hmm. so then it was became this culture of we can't say anything which is so much harder on children they need to be able to say their stuff Mm -hmm. and be safe Mm -hmm. like you said to say it um sometimes they 
children are like, um, they operate in bursts. We know this from toddlers, right? right. You can be sec- happy as can be, and three seconds later, you're in the pit of despair. Mm-hmm. So kids are like that, and sometimes they can just walk along and, and mm-hmm. seem like everything's okay, and you think, oh, well, they're good then, you know? Um, but they're not. They're still grieving all the things. They may just not be saying it. So you got to create the opportunities. Check in. Yeah. How are you feeling today? How's it feel? Yeah. And And I think in weird periods of time, some of it in high school, which is where your kids were, losing a parent in a weird way is embarrassing because now they're the kid without the dad. And like now they have this label and now their friends don't know how to act around them because what do teenagers know about how to treat other people? <laughs> do we say stuff? Do we not say stuff? So now they have this whole other social thing going on. They have to navigate. Did you, did they face that? Yeah, I think they did a little bit, but you know, because uh, each one of them had different little quirks. Um, they all had friend groups that were very helpful. Now, Carrington had a friend who had lost a father that, so, so they had each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, C- Chancellor's really close friend was there. He was constantly, like they came. A lot of Chamberlain's friends came to the house and they would take him away places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the beginning, they were there a lot. Um, and then whenever Chamberlain went off to college, he said, I don't want people to know about dad. I said, okay. He goes, I don't want them asking me questions. I don't think they need to know. And I said, that's fine. I said, you don't have to let them know about your dad. And he said, okay, because I just don't need them in my business. And I was like, that's fine. You know, and he said, okay, as long as we're good. I'm like, we're fine, you know. Mm -hmm. And so... I made sure that I went to all of his orientation stuff and I just was just whatever he needed me to be. I was his little bumblebee and I just was fl- flittering around. And um, and then as he went through out and he said he was slowly but surely he goes, as I can trust people, I will let them in. Yeah. And so it has to do with trust. Yeah. And so great. if you have a if your kids are at that age, which you know, whether they're going to go off somewhere or they're in high school or whatever, you know, if they have a small, good friend circle, that'll be great. Um, but treating them in any different or hanging out or just doing things that they would normally do is very important. I let, I let my kids go wherever they needed to go. I didn't keep them close. Um, I let them do what they needed to do to be with who they needed to be with. But yes, that is true. That is definitely going to happen. Um, and you just let them do it because they will let people in their circle when it's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to be different for each of them. Each, probably. Each, each one of them is totally different. Mm-hmm. Each one of them is totally different. They've each had different experiences in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Um, so milestones are a big deal. And you've had a lot of them since Conrad has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my brother just lost his wife early uh, last year and it has just been a year. And so usually that first year is, um, crucial. You're going through each new holiday in a different way. You're going through their birthday in a different way. Oh, father's day of all things is like the worst. (laughs) And, um, so the, once you sort of navigate through all that one time, 
then you kind of see where the lay of the land is. But um, then you just have life. Life keeps happening. You know, it doesn't stop just because your main person is not there anymore. So um, you've had a couple graduations. Yes. Um, some significant like milestone birthdays, 21, mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. So um, does that just bring it all back up again? Yes, it does. But what we have always tried to do is we've always tried to make sure that um, Conrad was remembered in a special way. The very first year after you lose a loved one, you're numb. And I think that's God's intent is for you not to really, because you're kind of foggy. You don't remember things the first year. The second year is when it hits harder because it's like, wait a minute, I had the numbness going on the first year, but I don't have it the second year. Um, but what I try to do is I, we try to celebrate his birthday with Rice Krispie treats because that was one of the things that I would make for him. Um, and then um, we would do a, a balloon release on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, the boys were usually always at impact for Father's Day. So that first year, they were somebody was they were at impact or a couple of them. So I met them up there with the balloons. And we did the balloon release from Lipscomb because that was where they always were. And um, so um, we would do that. We always made sure that, uh, you know, Christmas was always a big holiday for Conrad. He loved Christmas. Um, and he, of course, he died before Christmas. And so we had a candle lighting um, the first year. So we tried to mark different things. But then afterwards, us... I told the boys, do not feel obligated to keep all these traditions. Um, Let's, you can pick a few, you can pick one or two, but I don't want you to feel like you have to do this because as they are getting older, they're more involved and they're not going to be available to come together and do things. How do you? I don't, I'm just you sitting here like, how did you know to do that? <laughs> you're, you're blowing my mind with like how how gracefully and great you have navigated yeah. this whole thing. I know you don't feel like it. No, I, mean, I, know, I don't. I mean, I'm like, of course you've fallen apart, and of course you they've had moments, yeah. and of course, I mean, grief is the worst, the worst <laughs> thing. Yes. But man, you sure have. And I think like for his fiftieth. Um, you know, I think I did fireworks the very first year. I did like 48 Roman candles or something. But for his 50th, I decided that from here on out, we're going to just celebrate the 21st of September as um, random acts of kindness in memory of Conrad. So this this year, when he turned 50, we made I made Rice Krispie treats and we had 50. I made, we made sure we had 50 of them. And each of the boys came home and they grabbed theirs and then they took them back to their respective colleges in their towns and handed them out to the homeless. And so Chancellor and I took Murfreesboro, Chamberlain took Nashville, Carrington took Cookville. And they we just divided them that way and they took their Rice Krispie treats. And we just put a little scripture verse on on the baggie and gave him out and I thought okay because his mom is still living and his sister is still living and so they were like are you going to do anything special and I was like you know we're just going to lay low I'm Mm going to let the boys decide kind of what we do Um, not that I'm not 
you know, yeah, I could have a big celebration, but the fact of the matter is he's not alive. He's not living. Um, he's so I want to just enjoy the memory. And I think they did cake and all that there. They did a September birthday thing and that she put his name on the birthday cake. His sister did and everything. And that's fine. We, I just didn't want to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think it's very, and, and their family understands that. I think if you are very open, even with your in-laws or whoever it may be and say, I can't handle that right now. I can't do that. Um, my mother-in-law has never, she's like, you're fine. You do whatever. If you want to come down Mother's Day, you do. You know, the first year I didn't come down, I said, you know what? Because this is the first year I don't have to come to Manchester. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, so I'm going to stay here with my boys and I'm going to let them love on me mm-hmm. as the mom. Mm-hmm. And we do stuff. We we still do stuff. Like I make sure they do things for grandma. They they send her video grams and they do, they send, you know, cards or whatever they have to do. But, um, you know, I, they have a really good relationship with her, you know. So they stay connected. Yes. It is to important their, just to, to yeah. stay connected. Yeah. yeah. To the family. To the, the family. family. To the family. departed one. Yes. Yeah. And so um, we were kind of close anyway. And uh, when we would go down for certain holidays, it was, you know, we would go to Manchester for certain holidays. And um, so we still stay connected. And they'll call, you know. And when we were all quarantined, we Zoomed them you know, and we had, you know, we just try to make sure we stay connected mm-hmm. as a family. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I think another important, I, I'm from a large family, um, is <clears throat> to, like you said, you kind of implied it with, um, how your s- sister or sister-in-law or mother, whoever's, everybody's going to handle it differently. Um, and to give each other their own timeline and their own way of dealing with it. Everybody might be in a different stage, but um, sometimes with siblings in particular, for some reason, you kind of get this, well, you're not as sad as I am, or you're not as, you know, fill in the blank as I, so you must not have, I don't know, assumptions are made and whatever, but it's nice to be able to give each other your own time and space and your own way of grieving. Yeah, I it, actually I had my mother in law come to the life after loss class with me because I didn't want there to be a competition of who missed Conrad the most. Oh, bless! That is awesome. And so, <laughs> truth bomb of four seven. And it's like, you know, and I wanted her to be able to say whatever she needed to say and whatever, and then anything that I was feeling, I felt. I could say to her and say, well, this bothered me or this didn't bother me or this whatever. But our relationship is even, she says in her words, I want us to always remain close. Even if you remarry, I want us to always remain close because, you know, after her, after Conrad's father was killed, she years later got remarried. And so um, she said, I always want us to stay close. I said, you know, you're my mother-in-law and you're always going to be my mother-in-law. And so um, that's just the truth is that you, everybody deals with grief differently. And so if this person cries and this person doesn't, or this person doesn't feel like they want to do something, nobody shames anybody because everybody's on a different um, grief road Mm -hmm. and it spikes for different people at different times. So I've always said that with my boys, um, 
someone made a comment about they seem happy and i'm like they are happy yeah. <laughs> you can have both you can, you be can happy have and, 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 and at the same time yeah. and that was the thing um the scripture where it says you know just you know being content with where you are you know you know where you are you know be anxious for nothing you know and so be content with what season you're in and so that's the same thing with your feelings mm-hmm. um prayer is strong i mean like i have to pray a lot to get through every day um and there's not a time that i don't think about my husband mm-hmm. but someone could say well you seem like you're holding it together and i'm thinking because I know I'll see him again. You know, I have to go through the whole thing in my mind that this is just a temporary thing Mm -hmm. to the point where um, my boys, one of my boys even said to me, they were like, mom, you know, I'm really not afraid to die because I know I'm going to see, you know, and they're Mm -hmm. listing who they're going to see. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's a mature approach Mm -hmm. to it. Not, not everybody's going to be there, but I'm just, when he made that statement, um, I was like, of course, I'm like, don't die. I don't want you to die. <laughs> yeah. Don't that on you. For sure. but, yeah, but reminding yourself of the truth, that's so wise. Yeah. Instead of, um, it's like taking every thought captive. Right. So when you start believing something that's not true, it's like, no, I know. I'm promised mm-hmm. we are to see each other again. Yes. I'm promised that this is a passage. It's and not that, the final say. Right. And that's the, that's, that's really truly how I honestly, like there are some times that I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. This is not, this is only temporary. Like I'm only separated for a while. You know, it, this will, this will pass. Oh. Wow. So good, lovey. So good. so good. I'm so happy that you came. Well, thank I you. Too. Thank you for having me. for you to share that journey and all that wisdom. I'm just, I'm trusting that God is going to just, use that yeah. in so many people's lives who I are walking so. a similar path yeah you just don't know who you're going to reach and where you, it's going to go don't. so yeah i think it's an awesome conversation um and truly honored that you have come to mm-hmm. share his life with us yes. he was awesome yes. i just love him yeah i think anybody who ever knew him yeah couldn't help but yeah him. i hate you know that's what i said i said you guys didn't know the real conrad i mean y'all saw the right the good y'all saw good conrad but he was really an amazing man yeah. and uh and he was just he was an amazing dad too and um there's some pictures that as i was getting ready for chancellor's graduation going through this has been a hard because this is my last That's one last and baby. this was my baby and it's like you know and I'm reliving a lot of this stuff yeah. and as I'm going through some of these pictures there were pictures mm. of him holding Chancellor as an infant and he's talking to him and I'm thinking you know and Chancellor's like dad's talking to me you know you know and it's just just you know it's in I think that's just perfect because he got to see his dad because he doesn't remember his dad with legs. He doesn't remember his dad taking him to preschool. You know, he doesn't remember his dad mm-hmm. going to work every day. Mm-hmm. So when he sees pictures of him in the floor playing with him when he was a baby, it does. It definitely brings it back. Mm-hmm. It makes him like, oh, my dad was really a cool dad. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Don't put the pictures mm-hmm. away. Don't That's right. Don't pull down that keep stuff. the pictures. That's keep right. the pictures out. That's sure. right, man. Allow them. Allow them that. Um, so thank you again for being here, um, with us and 
Oh, we're going to have a lot of extra resources. Yeah, on we need to get those book names from her website. and other, other resources that yes. she mentioned on our website. Um, so check that for sure. That's at justaskyourmom.com. And you can find us on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom or Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. And if you're listening, please rate and leave a review or a comment. And if you have questions, send them to us at justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we want to say thanks to our production manager, Shiana Avila, our tech and social media administrator, Savannah Cunningham, and our graphic designer, Emma Goodwin. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.